everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 105 of the show, where we are deep in the heart of September 1965. And um, we started the month last episode, got into the second week just a little bit, and mm-hmm. now we're ready to continue on with, uh, what is it? Suspense? Tales of Suspense, number 72. Because we can't call it Iron Man anymore. Or I should say, they can't call it Iron Man in the letter columns anymore. No. They have to call it Suspense now, because it's got Cap in it. That's true. I say that like Cap hasn't been in here for like, you know, 15 issues by now. Really, they should be calling it Captain America number 72, because as we all know, he keeps it and Iron Man gets lost. I've always found that really interesting. I know, right? It's suspense, then it becomes the Iron Man comic, but then Captain America keeps the numbering. I feel like that's wrong. Kind of backwards. They, But maybe they just thought Iron Man was the better sell for a number one or something. I don't know. Yeah. Also, when I was a kid and I found out that the Captain America series started at 100, mm-hmm. I thought that was because of the Golden Age issues. That would make a lot of sense. Right? Yeah. They did yeah. that with The Flash. Yeah. Although right. I didn't know that at the time, but I, I learned about Captain America 100 long before I learned about Flash 104. God, comic book counting is really fun, if not infuriating sometimes. Like, oh, it's really fun in the golden age whenever they're like, yeah, we're going to just change this comic completely, but keep the number on it. Or we're going to publish number four twice just because right. we, we accidentally did or something. I don't know. It's like, wow. Thank you for that, for ruining the database I'm trying to build. But anyway... <laughs> All right, so yes, uh, Tales of Suspense 72, which, I mean, honestly, Mike, you're the Captain America fan. I have mm-hmm. been excited to get to this issue ever since he came back. The sleeper is pretty cool, or they all are, I guess. It's mostly because we're finally in real-time Captain America. That too. But not uh, yet, because we have to do Iron Man first. But not yet, I was just going to say that, yeah. We have to get through Iron Man first. Iron Man and his weird yellow neck. <laughs> all right, so... The Invincible Iron Man, hurrah for the conquering hero. After last month's dramatic victory over the powerful Titanium Man, a weary, heartsick Iron Man returns to New York, where a hero's welcome awaits him. Um, so Iron Man is walking through a parade, and we get see why Iron Man has been steadily climbing the mighty Marvel ladder of popularity issue after issue. See why fans everywhere acclaim Stanley Ryder. Don Heck Penciler, Mickey DeMeo Inker, and Artie Simic Letterer as one of the top fantasy drama teams of all time. Hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. If they don't say so themselves. Right. So after an hour of walking through a parade, Iron Man gets back to uh, uh, Stark Enterprises and um, Pepper says that she'll make excuses to the crowd because Iron Man doesn't want to see anybody And Iron Man goes into a lab and disrobes and sits there and grieves because his friend is hurt. His love has lost um, because Pepper now hates Tony Stark for how little attention he gave um, Happy Hogan after he was almost killed in previous issues. Um, Meanwhile, in newsrooms throughout the nation, reporters everywhere ask the same burning questions. They all want to know who is Iron Man. Um, and in a luxurious Park Avenue suite, the glamorous Countess La Spirosa, who is lasting in this story a lot longer than I thought she would, 
still fumes over being stood up by Tony Stark last month. So she gets in the car and uh, drives off and um, she goes to, um, I forget why she goes to this particular house, but she goes, oh, oh, I know. She's going to this particular house because she knows exactly who's here. She knows where the mad thinker lives. And she walks into his house and he says, hello, I'm sitting here posed like that statue that's named after me. She says, that statue is a lot older than you are. He says, don't correct me when I'm wrong. I am the thinker. Um, basically, she's here to hire him to find out who Iron Man is. So he's like, I've already started working on it. And he has sent his android to attack Tony Stark because if they can get Tony Stark, they can find out who Iron Man is. Um, so android ambushes Tony Stark in his home. Uh, you know, Kool-Aid mans his way through the wall. Pepper calls the police. Uh, Senator Byrd uh, finds out that Tony Stark is missing and orders that people go after him because they need to force Tony Stark to give up the secrets of Iron Man. Um, Tony gets brought to the thinker's abode. Countess is there. Tony's like, what? Uh, he throws down a Batman smoke grenade, patented Wayne Enterprises, grabs his attache case that is somehow there, dush, ducks into the next room, puts on his Steve Ditko design uh flexible armor and jumps back into the fight fights the android who since he has shape altering powers turns into basically a big british iron man they fight each other and basically iron man blows up the whole place around them and flies out with the thinker and the countess under both arms thinker lands in jail countess lands at home tony stark lands in his office and um Pepper tells them that something has happened to Happy Hogan. They don't know what it is. And uh, how does it end? He's like, he's, just he's like a, again. No, he's like a big meanie jerk to her because she's like, I hear he's on death's door. And Tony's like, ah, you're imagining things. Get back to work. Lady. Oh, that's right. Because they didn't, they didn't believe her about the giant Android coming in. So whatever he tells, she tells him about happy being hurt. He's like, yeah, whatever. You're making it up. Just like you met up the Android earlier. Mm-hmm. And then he goes over and like, hates himself for being such a terrible person. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going to summarize this exactly the way you did it. That's my superpower. I knew it. <laughs> In what way? I don't know. I just claim it because that's apparently what the thinker does. He just claims you, you do something and he says, ha ha, I knew you were going to do exactly that thing. <laughs> Even if he did or didn't. Right. It's like he's the worst villain. I don't know. I still don't like him. Maybe there's no. some someday there will be an awesome thinker story, but I don't think we've hit it yet. No, this is this is not it. Um, and like, so is it his own power or is it his computer? We see, we ask that every single time because they do not really spell it out. Though in this one they come the closest, where they do say, "Aided by my vast array of computers, I can mm-hmm. predict what people will do." So really. The thinker just likes playing with his spreadsheets and databases. He basically inputs data and then I guess it spits out like who Spider-Man really is or something. Right. In that 1960s way that computers can answer any question if they just have enough information. Except oddly, it can predict every little nuance of what people are thinking, and it, but it can't tell him who Iron Man is. So this entire story is about them trying to figure out who Iron Man is. Now, I did actually kind of like the setup. I thought he was a surprise reveal. Not a pleasant surprise reveal, mm-hmm. but like um, everyone wondering you know, the answer to a question, and that's what he does. In theory, that's his specialty. Yeah. So she goes to the one person who can answer all the questions. That's the thinker. That's true. And like you said, I am kind of surprised she continues to exist. Um, 
And she's sort of weird because she thinks like she can get with Tony by ruining Tony's life somehow. You know, it's kind of a weird love option or, you know, strategy. Mm -hmm. But that does happen in real life. Like, oh, I'll just stalk this person and then they'll love me. Okay. That's actually a dude move in a lot of stories that like, if I just destroy the thing that she loves, she'll love me. (laughs) Right. Isn't that what Glenn Talbot's doing to Betty? Basically, or Flash Thompson or, you know, anybody that's a bad guy. Um, You know... That Pepper is really hating on Tony when she actually almost likes Iron Man. She seems to actually like Iron Man. And remember months ago, whenever she and Happy hated Iron Man and didn't trust uh-huh. him? Yeah. And now she's like, I, I got your back, Iron Man. At least you're not that lame Tony Stark who's heartless and hates his friend. And Iron Man's like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a 180 for her, kind of. Yeah, that, I guess that's how the melodrama flows. They just like over a few plot beats, just turn everybody's attitudes around. <sighs> this love triangle must flip. Uh, 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 uh. I think it's kind of cool that everybody suddenly wants to know who Iron Man is. It sort of makes sense because he just had this national news fight with a Russian mm-hmm. Iron Man, basically. So like he's really on the on everybody's radar right now. That's kind of interesting. And Bird has been pushing for it for a little while, but now he's, like, really pushing hard. Yeah, now they're doing the whole, like, Iron Man 2 thing, you know? We mm-hmm. want the Hail Hydra, we want the technology, and he's like, you can't have it. I've privatized world peace. Thank You're welcome. You know, I was thinking of that exact character. I actually looked up that senator from Iron Man 2, because mm-hmm. he does really feel like Senator Bird. Yeah. But he was na- they named him after Roger Stern, so oh, he's okay. Senator Stern. But I do feel like it's this character. It kind of is, though. I do think still last issue that Senator Byrd did show some cool traits for once, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure we won't see those very often. I did like the whole reversal where Tony's like, you know, thinker if you have dared to touch this woman. And she's like, oh, how gallant of you, Tony. I'm not his prisoner. I'm his employer. Yeah, right. And then he's like, no, you're not. What? Um, I didn't remember that this this robot like absorbs power, like absorbing man and can turn into a giant Iron Man Kermit, the frog thing. I have a vision of him being like giant and covered in orange thing rocks. Okay. So I guess they did establish it. I just, I just don't remember. That kind of surprised me that he turned into Iron Man, but it was kind of cool. I feel like it's just like an external mock, like, like yeah. know, a skin map at a video game. It kind of has to be because how could, I mean, do you think he has like working thrusters and repulsors and doesn't seem like yeah, it? Yeah. Seems like no. he just punches things. Um, page nine. Iron Man says that he never gets the easy bad guys, but remember when Count Nefaria became the dreamer for 10 seconds? <laughs> his, I don't think, I mean, if we look back on what we've covered with Iron Man so far, have, have any of his bad guys really stood out as amazing? I mean, we know in hindsight that Mandarin is going to be his big bad guy, but I don't even think those stories resonate with me yet. Well, so. he's, he's the only one who's appeared like, well, yeah. Crimson Dynamo has appeared more than once. Yeah. Okay. But the Mandarins had the most stories. By and far. I didn't I did enjoy this Titanium Man two parter, so I guess he that's the reason why he's in the Rogues Gallery, but we haven't had a lot of I don't know who I don't really know how big Iron Man's Rogues Gallery is if you were to ask Iron Man fans to write down their top villains or whatever. But I feel like we maybe have covered them and they weren't all that amazing yet. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like Dr. Doom and Iron Man gain some rivalry down the road, mm. and he has family members like Morgan Stark who become or, a problem for him. Or Stain. Stain, like, the Stains, both the father and son Stains. Yeah, yeah, the business side of things, I guess. Although they did have armor too, I think. I don't know. So there are some down the road that we haven't gotten to yet, but really, I mean, 
I feel like a lot of the stuff. Blizzard, I the unicorn. Mm-hmm. Where's Jack Frost? Not the Blizzard. Uh, right. Yeah, they haven't been all that super impressive. Um, and yeah, uh, got some nice gaslighting from Tony at the end that we talked about. Where uh, let's see, it took me a half hour to shake those reporters, Pepper. Why were they allowed on the premises? I'm sorry, Mister Stark. I was busy phoning the hospital. I didn't think phoning the hospital. Why? It's happy, boss. Something's happened, and they won't tell me what it is. Nonsense. You must be imagining things just like you imagine that android creature i get back to work and it's just like a why would she make up that the hospital's calling her about happy why is that a thing and why did he react that way when he knows the android's real he knows the android's real he knows happy's in the hospital and not in a very great condition so things could be bad i don't know do you think he was just being grumpy or was he trying to cover his secret identity or something hmm he goes walk in and say his chest is hurting. He needs rest and quiet. Mm-hmm. So he could be happy. He could be having like pain, annoyance. Um, yeah. But he acknowledges this. Something's wrong with happy. I've got to go to him as Iron Man. So yeah. So I was wondering if he's like covering, like saying, you imagine that Android, like everybody else is saying to her, even though he knows secretly that the Android was real. Cause he just fought it as Iron Man, but he can't tell her that. Why does he have to go to happy as Iron Man and not as Tony? Well, that I don't know. Cause maybe, if it feels like he has to go to, as Iron Man and can't go with Pepper as Tony oh, and putting right. her off, you know, is a weird strategy, but at least there's an explanation. But why does he have to go as Iron I don't know. Speaking of chest hurt, there's a bit where like, this is minor, I guess, but I never thought of it before, but like where the ad- Android is chasing Tony and he actually falls over cause like his heart is uh sucky. And it's like, yeah, I know that, you know, I've always thought like, yeah, okay, every, so many hours he has to charge to keep that shrapnel rubbing up and down on his heart flesh. But like, like I never thought about how like maybe it affects him on a cardio level just in general. Mm. Like uh, maybe he just can't when he's not in his suit, he's really bad at running or exerting himself at this point because his heart just sucks. That That is a story point they should bring up a lot more often. Yeah. That it's not that it's just, you know, Oh, I've got to recharge. My heart's starting to hurt. Cause I'm running low on power. But like, I can't really run a lot or yeah. exert myself because I might die. Yeah. Don't take those flight of stairs too fast. Right. No more No more um, dating, quote unquote, with females. Right. Well, he stopped doing that anyway because he has yeah. this whole iron chest plate on. Um, but yeah, uh, it wouldn't even have to be like a big deal. They could just like drop a line and drop a scene every now and then where he's like, who kind of take those stairs a little more slowly. I mean, when people have heart attacks, it's usually quite a bit of recovery time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking it much easier in life for the rest of your life. Um, speaking of dating, though, do you think it was a little sexist that Thinker gets arrested and her punishment is that he made her walk home? Like, she's fine, scot-free. It was her idea and everything, but that's okay. She's a woman, I guess. Um, or is it just I, that, like, she was in over her head and didn't really mean it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if sexist is the right word, but there has to be some, like, weird discrimination there. She hired... right. She hired the thinker to find out who I She didn't really have a direct role in Tony Stark getting abducted. That was the thinker's method. But she did. It seems like, you know, an accomplice, like she was there. She was involved. Yeah. I mean, at some point he says that you're not really my boss. I would have done this anyway. But that still doesn't really let her off the hook because her intentions were the same. Right. And she did know. claim to be his boss. Like, yeah, I don't know. I hope we don't see her again, kind of. Like, I get it. They messed up, and it was supposed to be Black Widow. Let's move on, you know? <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on. Let's move on. 
the so I, sleeper. I remember this as a cartoon, and since you've been watching all these cartoons, I assume I'm right, and this was actually one yeah. of the adapted cartoons? Yep, definitely. Totally. I remember this opening splash page in cartoon form. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the uh, the other Avengers. Yeah, pretty awesome. The, the sleeper shall awake. The scene, Avengers HQ. The date, today. The occasion, a time for remembrance. This is the times we'll hold on to. The start of a sensational new saga, brilliantly brought to you by Stan Lee, Sultan of Script, Jack Kirby, Lord of Layout. Oh, he just layouts this? Okay. George Tuska, Archduke of Art, and Sam Rosen, tired of lettering. Poor Sam. Aww. All right. So, turns out all of the Golden Age adventures we've been re- reading were <laughs> bedtime stories. Yeah. Tell He's us been, another one, Grandpa Cap. Right. Literally from Hawkeye. Yeah, old man. Um, He's been telling the other three Avengers about his days in World War II, and they're just eating it up. Um, In fact, Wanda brings up a question that we might discuss and readers might have been wanting to know. Why did he have to do the whole private Steve Rogers thing? Did he get into trouble for deserting everyone? And he's like, remember, all the higher ups knew that Steve was really a cap. So they got me off the hook for all sorts of stuff. But there was this one time where I, you know, ran to the general's wife and we'll talk about that later. Um, so he goes to his bedroom, says goodnight to the Avengers, goes to bed. And then he is thinking about a particular night 20 years ago. And he sees the red skull over his head and like a premonition that it's been 20 years and now it's the day the fruits of his victory will be a re- will be here so Captain America thinks back to his last encounter with the red skull it was in the end of the war exactly 20 years earlier he chased the red skull into a building the red skull had a um um one of those was it Molotov cocktails one of those bomb yeah. bottles uh-huh. um but it blows up on him blows up the rubble around him and the red skull falls to the ground uh, in the rubble. He is killed by the blast or at least mortally wounded. And he says, even now my sleepers lie hidden. They're going to carry on for me 20 years from now when they awake on Der Tag, which is German for the day. So red skull dies and Captain America runs out just before the whole place gets blown up. And he wakes up. He's like, Oh my gosh. It's 20 years ago. It's 20 years later today. Whatever those sleepers are, whatever Dear Tog is, it's time. So he goes over to a briefcase that he has been keeping for all these years in the ice and snow and water. We'll talk about that later. Uh, He opens it up and there's a list of names, three names, three locations, um, and 1965. So we go to one of those locations. We meet with uh, Agent von Kimmer in Gortmund, and he is dressed up in his old Nazi uniform. They're like, why are you dressed in that forbidden uniform? It's illegal to wear Nazi stuff now, remember? He's like, no, because we're going to make this world remember its old times. And they go to this mountainside. They pull an invisible rope that opens up a cave, and out of the cave stomps this giant robotic humanoid. Doom, 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 doom. It was asleep, and now it's awake. Captain America um, parachutes into the same area, sees a whole lot of people running scared, and sees the giant robot with a um, 
bubble head and a Nazi uh, swastika on its chest. Doom, doom, doom. Walking around, crashing stuff. It has lobster pincers for hands. Um, it shoots Captain America with a laser, but he dodges. He has no way to stop it, and it keeps on stomping across the countryside. It's like, oh no, sleepers. That means there's more than one. There were three. This is just the first of three. What am I going to do? I can't stop these things. And at that very moment, Erica Wolfman, the second name on the Red Skulls list, makes another phone call that the second sleeper shall awaken and the third Reich shall live again. See you next Ooh. month. So definitely a setup. Definitely a setup. Pretty much all set up, but it was a good setup. Yeah, they had to like do so much to sort of establish the beginning of the story that the first sleeper actually doesn't get a very much of a action scene. So you think like, oh, finally, we're going to get to modern cap. But then they still are kind of like, but we don't know what to do with modern cap. So let's let's have modern cap problems tied to World War II. Yeah, I get that a little bit. I kind of dig it. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like that this connects to the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I don't. I'm going to feel like we're really getting into Captain America's story when Sharon comes along. Right, because then they start giving him new villains like Batroc and whatever the heck. So Right. Yeah. But this is – I do like the sleeper story. It's a nice yeah. little action piece to sort of get him started. It's pretty classic. Yeah. It's it's pretty simple also in its concept. But I think it works a lot better than the previous present-day Cap stuff. So Hawkeye, Jesus. Hey, whatever happened to that – Guy, Bucky. Oh, he died. Oh, that's too bad. He'd make a great Avenger. Let's keep talking more about Bucky. It's like, how about we stop yeah. talking about Bucky? <laughs> oh, he's so obtuse. And one is like, I, th- I think we we shouldn't talk about it. He basically <laughs> shot a foot arrow into his own mouth. And it's like, and why is he walking away so sad? What happened? Because uh, you kept talking about Bucky. That's why. Also, everyone, even Steve sometimes, forgets this wasn't 20 years ago for Steve. No. This was like two months ago for Steve. Right. So that's what's funny when they always call him old and, you know, get over it and stuff. It's like, no, literally that was yesterday. Right. And maybe whenever Steve mentions it was 20 years ago, maybe he's just trying to convince himself that, mm-hmm. like, he should be able to cope with it. But no, this is, I mean, he has had a devastating loss. And I'm sure anyone there listening has had a devastating loss. A couple of months ain't going to cut it. Right. Um, it was kind of, I liked it, but it was kind of interesting, like this this imagery of, like, the Red Skull's flashlight face on the top of his uh, it reminds me of the, ceiling uh, or something. Did you ever see Train Spotting? Yeah. The dream with the creepy baby crawling oh, on the God. roof. Oh, God. That's the only thing I can yeah. remember about Train Spotting. Yeah. Right. That and whenever he's wrestling with the blanket and throws crap all over uh, the uh, girlfriend's parents. Right. I do remember that part also. Yep. Uh, uh, great movie. <laughs> yeah, great movie. Um, but we finally uh, figure out what happens to the Red Skull. Well, you know, we know better, but we get an idea of maybe what happened to the Red Skull in the war. Although they do leave it open on purpose. He does say he never found out if Red Skull died or not. Which is very Hitler. Uh-huh. The fact that, you know, we never actually found Adolf Hitler's body. Okay, then before another word can be spoken, hundreds of Allied bombs high overhead write a thunderous fini to the Nazi dream of world conquest. So are they saying that this is the end of the war? Because if they are saying that, then they have to retcon this later, right? Yeah, I think the timing here gets a little ignored later because this is 1965. Mm-hmm. If he's saying 20 years ago to the day, that's 1945. Right. And, and Steve so, Rogers would, did not live to see the end of the war. But they haven't retconned that. They haven't established that idea yet, so... 
Um, right now, they're basically just ignoring 50s cap altogether. Ignoring 50s cap altogether. And they, I, I guess they haven't really established the exact timing of when he fell in the ocean yet. I mean, the bar- that would mean the Baron Zemo thing could have happened after the end of the war or at the end of the war. Or yeah, he could go anytime. there from here. Right. Um, yeah, the timing of that's weird. Yeah. But it's a pretty great fight. A little light on character this issue, but it was a nice intro to the new series. I did make a joke out of was wondering, where did he keep that briefcase all these years? So we've asked that before because he's also looked at like a picture of Bucky or something in Avengers, I think. Mm-hmm. And we're like, where'd that come from? And if you notice in his room when he's changing, there's a picture of, I guess it's supposed to be maybe be him as a child or something. It looks like a kid, blonde kid or something. But I wonder if he just had like a locker room full of things and they just like stashed those things. And then when he became alive, they still had them. And they gave him to him or something. Actually, that makes a lot of sense because when he goes on the mission, theoretically, he still has a, a home somewhere mm-hmm. with a stash of stuff. Yeah. So once he goes in the ice, all that stuff could have easily been put in a safe somewhere. It's like, let's keep this because we might make a cat museum someday. Right. Um, and we know he'll, I like at some point in the greatest Avengers storyline of all time, he'll have a picture of his mother somehow. So yeah, he must have some way of having stuff, but he just doesn't have a lot of stuff. Which is the greatest Avengers story of all time? Oh, the one where uh, the Masters of Evil uh, take over the mansion. Oh, the, the the siege. Yeah, my favorite. Anyway, good, good. Um, uh, 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 I can't remember what else I was going to say. Nothing else, I guess. That was probably it. The one other thing I was going to say is that whenever they see um, Herr von Kimmer in the Nazi uniform, I did like that they clarified. Today's German people have nothing to do with Hitler's Nazism, and they're yeah. all a bit put off that he's dressed like that. Yeah, and he would be like stoned probably if they actually caught him. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen Forbidden Planet? Not in a long, long time. Well, but this totally yep. looks like that, right? It does. It does. Or I thought maybe this is around the same time as Lost in Space came out, and Lost in Space comes out one month after this. So I wonder if there was like or you know pictures or something promotional pictures because it also looks like that b9 robot you know the robot danger mm-hmm. will robinson it's got right. the same glass dome and all that stuff it does yeah was the, the forbidden planet and the robbie the robot those aren't the same robot are they no but they had the same body ish so i believe yeah. i believe that the lost in space robot was like created off very vision off of human torch kind of situation or something like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like like very inspired or maybe even the same parts or something like that I could be getting that completely wrong, and some robot enthusiast is going to be writing us a letter right now. But go ahead, do that. That'd be awesome. And you remember the Robbie the Robot's last filmed experience? No. Or filmed appearance? Mm-mm. He's in the Gremlins when the dad goes to that uh, inventions convention. Oh, He's wow. in the background. Wow. Yeah, he doesn't quite look the same. But they do have the same weird appendages and rubbery bodies and stuff. Enough to say that there could have been some inspiration. Yes. Have you watched a lot of that old Lost in Space show? I have not. I think I did when I was a kid because I know. I think I know the characters and the idea and stuff. But the first several time. episodes have a very connected serial feel to them, mm-hmm. which I thought was really unusual for the '60s. Like it's episodic, but it definitely leads from one episode into the other. Um, I got a little bored though, so I stopped watching after about eight or nine episodes. So that's what I heard. It just kind of became a routine and sort of lacked any development or anything. Well, and my, uh, my wife's dad is a big sci-fi nut and that was, you know, his childhood. Uh-huh. Um, this is the year before Star Trek came out and he saw Star Trek for the second episode broadcast on. Wow. Um, and I was like, so 
I was going to watch all of Lost in Space, and I'm not sure that I can. So I was going to see if you can guess why I might. And he's like, why would I do that? <laughs> so <laughs> I think it might just be one of those things that like appealed to kids back then. But, you know. Yeah, the, I, I followed this artist on DeviantArt, and he drew this like awesome cover to a Lost in Space something or other. And I commented, like, that makes me want to watch the series really bad. And he's like, don't blame me. <laughs> Which made me not want to watch the series really bad. <laughs> Uh, uh, Man but, from yeah. Uncle was kind of similar. I started Man from Uncle and enjoyed it, but just got a little bored. For some reason, even though they're very similar in concept, I enjoy Mission Impossible a lot more than Man from Uncle. I have watched the new Lost in Space on Netflix, the first season anyway, and I thought that was pretty good. I did watch the first episode or two of that and really want to get back to it. It's on my. I have recently been like making a concerted effort to go through the shows I have been wanting to watch for a long time, and that yeah. is on my list. It's cool. But sometimes you watch things like that and go, is it just, I mean, is it really Lost in Space or are they just using the words Lost in Space? Because it doesn't quite resemble. But that's okay. It was still good. Yeah. Anyway. Avengers? Okay. Yeah, because we got to get through three more here. Come on. All right. Avengers number 22, The Road Back. See Captain America's sensational battle with Power Man. Also, a surprise team of villains whom you never expected to see in this ish. That's for sure. Um, star-studded story by Stan Lee, peerless penciling by Don Heck, dazzling delineation by Wally Wood, and lonesome lettering, lonesome lettering by Artie Semek. Having been framed by Power Man and the Enchantress, the angry Avengers are under orders to disband after being declared public menaces by the city council. So we open with them all in that underground thing that they now pretty much just hang out in all the time. And Cap's like, no, we can't disband. And the rest of them are like, yeah, we're going to quit. And Hawkeye's like, yeah, plus it's also your fault. And Cap's like really getting annoyed. And he's like, you guys all are quitters or whatever. And I think he says it a little too directly to the Scarlet Witch. So that makes Quicksilver mad. And then the two of them start fighting. And then Hawkeye breaks it up. And then all three of them are just going to leave. And Cap's like, wait, I'm sorry. Can we just leave on good terms? They're like, no. And they all leave. Um, so he dresses in his trench coat and he goes out into the city and it's blue and he walks around cap set. Um, meanwhile, the other three all try out at different places like television or television or television. And they all get turned down because they're public menaces. No, we don't want you. Um, but Quicksilver goes to the circus, huh? Doesn't Quicksilver go to the circus? I, oh wait, that's in a minute. I'm sorry. I in a like, minute because I'm so sorry. I'll right just shut now, up and let you do your job right now. We cut to the evil circus, the evil circus of Mastermind and uh, Princess Python, I think, and some other people that we've established before that I can't remember now. Um, The Human Bullet or something. Uh, Anyway, they're seeing all this public menace stuff, and they're like, oh, I bet these Avengers need jobs. You know what? Let's hire them under the pretense of us being a good circus. And so they do that. And the Avengers are like, the three Avengers out of four, not Captain America. But the other three are like, yay, we're circus people now. But as they go to do good circus things, Mastermind's like, no, you're going to do bad circus things. And he starts Ring using master. his, I'm sorry, Ringmaster. Who's Mastermind? Brotherhood oh, of X-Men. Evil. That's right. Ringmaster starts using his gaze into my eyes thing, and he's going to make them like steal for him and stuff. But Quicksilver is too fast for gaze into my eyes and knocks him over. And then the clown guy tries to beat him up, but Scarlet Witch trips him. Um, basically, the Avengers just mop the floor with this circus of crime. Um, but as a backup plan, the Ringmaster also calls the cops, and they show up and see the Avengers 
beating what is seemingly a nice good circus. So <laughs> even though the Avengers are like, no, they're a bad circus, the cops are like, no, you're a public menace. So they run away. And it doesn't make life better. And we cut to life. And there's like statewide manhunt for the Avengers on the newspaper. And there's these two boys arguing over who's cooler, the Avengers of the Fantastic Four, which is my favorite panel in the entire world. Um, and then there's all these people lamenting that they can't get Iron Man, Thor, or Giant Man back. And it cuts to what they're all doing, which, by the way, even Stan Lee doesn't know what Giant Man's doing. Um, then it cuts to Power Man and the Enchantress. And he's like hitting on her and she's like you're just a dumb mortal you can't hook up with me but then in her thought balloon she's like or can he he kind of has a confidence this guy shows up right this guy that looks like kind of swarmy um he's like balding with a cigar and he's overweight and wearing pins or you know a bow tie so you know he's just up to no good and he's like i can make you guys rich and famous um because he's the one who claims to have destroyed the avengers Okay, so he claims to have destroyed the Avengers, which, of course, irates uh, Power Man, who goes in his face and says, Nuh-uh, we destroyed the Avengers. And Enchantress is like, don't say that out loud, but it's too late. Um, because inside the guy's case is a recording device, and then the guy pulls a Superman and rips open his shirt, and he's really Captain America underneath. And <laughs> he pulls off the mask, off his mask, you know, that sort of technique, that Batman technique. And he's really cap, and he's like, "Hi, I got you on record as blaming as as taking credit for breaking up our team." And Power Man's like, "Well, who cares? Because you couldn't beat me before, and you can't beat me now." But this time, Cap's a little smarter about it, and instead of fighting him directly, he moves really fast and like tries to stay out of the way. He's not really hurting him at all, but he keeps knocking him off his feet and you know dodging and pulling the rug out from under him and basically chasing him around. Uh, but he really has no ability to hurt him, so. Eventually, he gets knocked out. Um, but as Power Man comes back into the house with the knocked-out Captain America in his arms, he finds that the Enchantress has been taken out because Hawkeye's there. And so now he's fighting two of them. And then Quicksilver's there. And then he's fighting three of them. And then they're all there, the kooky quartet. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, they really put him on the ropes. But still, none of them can really hurt him. But they can all, like, make him confused and annoyed and frustrated. Um and finally, Enchantress is like, you know, I thought you were hot for five seconds, but I think I've backed the wrong guy, and I just remembered that you're immortal and stupid, and I'm immortal, and I'm going to leave immortal style. And she does some jazz hands and disappears, which makes Power Man really depressed because he's decided he's totally into her. So he just surrenders to the Avengers because, like, what's the point of fighting if I can't hook up with this lady? Um, so Cap puts the recorder to the police and the police just totally believe it and say, yep, okay, let's arrest Power Man. And then everybody's like totally 180 on this whole like uh, suspension of the Avengers. And they're like, let's instead have an Avengers, you know, parade day or whatever. And uh, then we cut back to the Avengers and all's well that ends well, except not true because their fearless leader, Captain America, is still a little hurt about the fact that they abandoned ship when the going got rough. And so he decides to, uh, what he says, kiss them off. I'm kissing you off. And he uh, quits the team. The end. I don't think that means what it used to mean. <laughs> I'm kissing you off? The old brush yeah. off? Kiss I'm off? I'm not entirely sure what it means now, but I don't think it means that. I don't know. I think if someone said kiss off, I guess. It would be a weird thing to say now. But Oh, yeah. I guess, okay, kiss off, yeah. But I am kissing off. I, I, that's, that's weird. I'm kissing you off. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, he's from the 40s. What are you going to do? So what happened earlier was I had a mental disconnect of the fact that they're going to the circus was like part of the plot and involved the ringmaster and all that. Mm. I just knew that like trying out for the circus was one of the things that Quicksilver did. And I wrote it down because remember the other issue whenever he and Wanda are out just entertaining themselves and he goes to the circus by himself mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, I love the circus so much. I wish mm-hmm. I could be in the circus. And he gets to be in the circus and it turns up an evil circus. And also Hawkeye has circus origins. So two out of three. For Hawkeye, it's back to uh, back to square one. But you know what's interesting? And I don't know if we want to skip ahead to number six, but I did think like if Hawkeye was in the circus and knew about circuses and was also a criminal or at least knew about criminals in the circus, he never heard about Ringmaster and his shenanigans at all. Mm. Like how many circuses are there in this world that you haven't picked up on the fact that the Ringmaster's a bad guy, I guess. I think it makes sense in the context of what we're going to find out about exactly what his circus connections are. Because we haven't gotten his... No, we did. We got the swordsman background. Yeah, yeah that's, we, that's happened. We got the swordsman. So he just... If I remember right, he wasn't bad. He walked in on the swordsman no. stealing stuff. You're right. Yeah. Okay. He was trained by the swordsman, and then it turned out the swordsman was a bad guy. Yeah. So he wasn't being a bad guy. Yeah, but if you're like a guy who lives in the circus, I don't know. Maybe I'm just assuming too much about circuses. But if you're a person who works in the circus, don't you know about circuses? Are you saying all circus people know each other? Yeah, I guess I am being a little racist about it. But they it all just, go to the same parties. It just feels like you know circus people should be in the know about this ringmaster guy by now. But I guess not. I guess he gets away with it every time somehow. He does. He does manage to abscond with the hat full of goodies. He's never been arrested by the Hulk or Spider-Man or Daredevil or... No, Spider-Man's definitely arrested him. The last time we saw him, he was getting out of jail. Right. And the, uh, the, the circus was tired of him being their leader. They made the clown the leader. Yeah, and, but now he has a circus again. Okay, hmm. so at the beginning of the story, they're talking about how Power Man couldn't have done all that stuff from last issue. He is obviously too stupid. Uh-huh. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. Well, he came off as pretty stupid, I bet. And, and Captain America. Okay. Captain America gives them a huge hard time for wanting to break up the team mm-hmm. because they were told to disband. And remember how this was the guy who was ready to walk out on the whole party because he thought Nick Fury Senpai noticed him? Yep. Good point. I also can't decide if he's being a jerk here or if he's trying to do reverse psychology and failing or what. But whatever he's doing is not working. This whole you're all quitters thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, weird. Like, I, I wonder how much army is in him because, like, he, we always paint him as, like, this good upstanding dude or whatever. But, you know, when you join the army, there's a lot of, like, boot camp and people screaming in your face and calling you a bunch of names and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. does he does that carry over with him and his leadership at all ever? Like, move your pansy butt Hawkeye or anything like that? Nothing? <laughs> oh, no. I guess he, he never really <laughs> says that. But he is right here. I never could stomach a bunch of quitters. That just sounds like Nick Fury. Yeah, he's pulling the drill sergeant out. But it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Okay, top of page two. At least let us say goodbye as friends. Uh-huh. And he says, like, you know, whatever. You know, forget y'all. Fight, fight, fight. It's top of page four. Um, we've been through so much in our brief time together. It's too bad we can't part on better terms. <laughs> and we're not because I just ruined everything. Right. Yeah, that's why, like, I can't, that's why I can't tell if he was just, like, trying for something and it didn't work or if he really was. Yeah. There. I'd like to think that maybe he was, maybe he was trying and it just... Mm-hmm. Um, I did find it was interesting that none of these guys go out to try to live life in any sort of alternate identity. Like they're all trying to make uh-huh. money on their powers. I know. 
We've talked about that with Spider-Man because remember when he was on the outs trying to make it, trying to get money, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I would have made trading cards out of you, but now I can't because you're a menace or whatever." It's like, well, why not be um, Ant Guy or something? I don't know. That's true. Could have changed his name, but they didn't. They didn't like Pietro and Wanda their way around. Of course, for the mutants, it actually makes a little bit of sense because they're known. I guess maybe they've oh, been on the run. Put a mask on your face and call yourself Speed Demon. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Or The Flash. I heard that's Flash, good. The Flash, yeah. Quicksilver. Oh, wait. Never mind. So out of the thinker and these guys, the Circus of Crime, who <laughs> wins the Cupid doll for most unexpected villain out of nowhere? Uh, Circus of Crime is worse, I think, because like it, they're not even really needed in this issue in a way. Mm-mm. I guess they just cement the Avengers being a menace thing. But they're so like, there's like, they're just two pages and like, Avengers just mopped the floor. Three out of four Avengers mopped the floor with them, and they're just not really a thing. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's an interesting story structure because we don't build to one single fight with one single threat, which is often the way these things go. Mm-hmm. Like the whole circus of crime thing is like it's part of the building action on the side. Mm-hmm. It's not part of the main, you know, threat. Yeah, yeah. These five pages could have been the entire story, mm-hmm. and then they could have had another to be continued of. Now they're really unwanted, or but right. I did like the um, reaction, though. I like. I'm not joking. I think those two kids, one's wearing a Fantastic Four T-shirt, and the others wearing the Avengers T-shirts. And by the way, those are the T-shirts they've been hawking on these books. <laughs> just so you know. Um, yep. Yeah, I love the little fanboy arguments because you know we actually do those things too sometimes. Um, but then they're like, and Iron Man's fighting an android, and and Thor is is returning to Asgard for a great battle with Absorbing Man and Giant Man. Um, your guess is as good as ours because we've totally dropped him. And Giant Man looks so pathetic there. Also, he's really freaking huge. He's never been that big. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. He's like the size of a building now, and they're all ants. It's the size he was in the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Pretty much. Series. Yep. So Thor doesn't know that he's headed for his greatest battle. He thinks he's just taking a reporter to visit home. Mm-hmm. He does not know the Absorbed Man is tearing stuff up up there. No, but Stanley does, I guess. I guess Stan ejected, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know about this whole costume thing. It's a little bonkers, but which costume thing? The Captain America dressed as the guy from Rocketeer. Right now, before it's we get to that, it's all part of the show. Oh, okay. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. Power Man and the Enchantress. Yeah. Okay. Now, listener land, dudes out there who write stories, take note. This is an example of misogyny in writing. Power Man is treating the Enchantress in a way that she specifically voices. She does not like to be treated, but she's attracted to him anyway. So the writer is rewarding Power Man's bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And that is not a story move that you want to make. But yeah, that's all I want to say. Yeah. Um, Captain America is not that short. How did he even do this? You know, I mean, not to get too picky on how comics work, but like, when did he become a, a disguise expert or whatever? Well, remember whenever they dressed up as the gay '90s? I mean, he was he was the <laughs> granny. Yeah, that's true. But he he looked like Captain America wearing a wig. Yeah, he did. He looked like a really, 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 really tall grandmother. <laughs> Roided out grandmother. Yeah. Roided out grandmother, like Chris Evans with the pecs, <laughs> wearing a, a purple wig. dress. Yeah, wearing a purple dress and a granny wig. Yeah. So it was yeah. like the worst disguise ever. This is amazing. This is like Mission Impossible. Speaking of, yeah, he's got like the he's got. I mean, he's got the fat suit padding. He's got this uh, the clothing. 
And this took some effort. And I always love when they put the mask over the mask. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how that works, especially for characters like, you know, Batman who have no eyeballs when their mask is on. This is not the case with Cap, of course, but still, like, why does he even have to put the mask on? Because, like, he doesn't care if they see his blonde hair, do they? I don't know. It's just silly. It's just really Well, human silly. face masks don't work anyway, but human face masks over your superhero mask? Yeah. Batman gets away with it all the time, but it's not a good thing. Makes no sense. No. Um, as I was reading through here, I noticed how the art was kind of opening up more, especially on page 14. Mm-hmm. Kirby's doing some larger opener layouts. Heck. With his... That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Heck is doing a larger layouts. Uh-huh. Um, Looks good. I liked the fight. It was fun. I like that he held him off as long as he could, even though he really had no chance of winning or anything. But And us. the carpet move on page 15. Uh-huh. I've commented before when people pick up the sidewalk and shake it like a carpet or pick up the ground and shake it like a carpet. Uh-huh. This is actually a carpet. Yeah. Now, how he got it to detach so quickly and easily on the stairs is comic book science, but... At least this is the carpet he is pulling up and shaking off Mr. Power Man. He drinks his milk. He does. Uh, I can't remember. I forgot to say or can't remember why the Avengers even show up there other than Cap. Um, there was a reason, wasn't there? Or they just show up. I'm going back through it. Let's see. Quicksilver just appears out of nowhere. So does Hawkeye. So does Scarlet Witch. They must have said there must be something somewhere. Or is this just a really bad plot point? Wow. Why did they show up? I don't know. We heard an emergency signal on our portable transceivers. We uh, followed the beam to you. Cap refers to himself as the weakest one, which used to make more sense in that original lineup. I'm not sure he should say that anymore. He should now say, like, one of the weakest ones or something. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Hawkeye's not all, but whatever. Cat's America accidentally signaled them. Okay, that's what it was. Yep, yep. He He broke the wire on his transceiver which shorted it and caused the signal to, to transmit. There you go. It just took him a long time to explain that later. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of dug the Power Man not wanting to continue on. Like, he was just living his life before yeah. Entrantress gave him powers and put him in that costume. He only did this because he thought she was attractive and w- thought that doing all this for her would get them together. He didn't actually ask for this. And whenever she bails, he's like, well, crap. Okay, never mind. Yeah, he's basically a grunt for a now de- defunct Baron Zemo squad. Mm-hmm. And then, so what has he got? He's got nothing. Although he does have cool powers. Maybe, maybe he could do something with them, but he apparently has no brains for uh, uh, strategy. Right. He needs Vizzini. I do think that his move at the end is a bit, Captain America's move at the end is a bit rude, but he's your guy. What do you think? In terms of quitting? Yeah. I think he's like been emotionally... Um, crabby these last two or three issues mm-hmm. it just seems that way and i'm just chalking it up to like hawkeye just really getting on his last nerve or something <laughs> it's just being tough and stressful i don't think it's the greatest greatest uh, uh uh response personally all right but you know he's a very dramatic man sometimes i guess he feels things very passionately yep he felt betrayed shall we move along yes what do we got next? Ooh. The Fantastic Four, oh, 45. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Fabulous FF are stunned by the discovery that Among Us hide the Inhumans. What? What, what, what? We're finally here. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
In case you goofed off last-ish, here's what you missed. The gigantic dragon man flew off with Reed Richards' bride. While a mysterious... Notice she doesn't get a name. She's just Reed Richards' bride. While a mysterious being named Gorgon finally succeeded in capturing Medusa as well. Then to prevent the FF from pursuing him, Gorgon caused this entire deserted building to collapse with an awesome ear-shattering kick. Incredible story by Stan Lee, incomparable penciling by Jack Kirby, invincible inking by Joe Sinnott, and inevitable lettering by Artie Simic. Artie standing, I am inevitable. And he writes this with his letters. Yeah, that's what he does. Okay, so the building is falling. The Fantastic Three are falling in it. Um, they manage to survive by using all their powers in creative ways. Johnny Storm as the torch goes after Dragon Man, who has his sister. Uh, they fight in the air a little bit. Dragon Man sets Sue down. We check in briefly with the Frightful Four. The Sandman and the Trapster are both in prison, and they're wanting to get out, but they can't. And that's the last we'll see of them. Um, meanwhile, back in the most famous headquarters in the free world, Reed Richards and the Thing have hopped into some sort of... Um, Let's see. Are they in a vehicle? No, no, they're they're, they're on some sort of like visiscope when they see that Dragon Man is flying back. So Dragon Man flies back with Susan and Johnny to the rooftop. They all talk and Dragon Man is like, hi, how you doing? And they're like, oh, okay. Um, Johnny goes back inside. He's like, well, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to have some sleep. Um, Because, you know, Reed and Susan are ushy-gushy. Now they're back together again. It's going to be gross. Hey, wait a second. I haven't called Dory Evans for days. I wonder how she's doing. So he calls her and she's got another date. So he's like, well, man, I got to go walk around. I'm just going to go walk and try to shake the sadness from my brain. He uh, goes and sees down an alley of wreckage, a mysterious woman in a um, white dress. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Now I know what hormones feel like. <laughs> She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And so he decides that they're going to be best friends forever. He walks toward her, scares her. She throws wind at him. Well, wind appears out of nowhere. Any figures she threw it at him. He's like, I've got to find her. But first he's going to go back and sit around home because he can't find her. Um, he gets tired of sitting at home, goes back out and runs into her again. And fire gets in his way, but he's like, hey, I know about fire. Turns into the torch, flies over the fire, and lands and talks to her. And she's like, oh, you have powers? You must be one of us then. Come on, let's go. Let's be friends. This is Lockjaw. He's my giant dog. He follows me everywhere. And um, he's going to open up the door to our secret hideout. Come on down. Black Bolt's not home, but you can meet the rest of the family. And meanwhile... The other Fantastic Four members are trying to be friendly with Dragon Man. He's not having much of it. They shoot him with a tranquilizer gun. And he, while he snoozes, Susan cradles Reed in her arms. Um, meanwhile, Johnny and this mysterious girl, whose name is Crystal, are walking through this underground hideout. They meet a man in green and white, little be skinny man named Karnak, who's like, shake hands with me. Except that I'm awesome and I'll throw you over my shoulder. His power is that he can find the weak point in anything. Uh, and then Johnny, from being thrown on the floor, looks up and sees Gorgon and Medusa. 
and realizes that this is the people that she was brought back to. There's also a mysterious green dude in robes. Um, Gorgon recognizes Torch and gets mad at him. They start fighting Johnny. Uh, he turns into the torch and flies away, goes through the ceiling, back above ground, makes a Fantastic Four signal. The other three members get on an air jet cycle that Reed has put together. They fly towards the emergency signal. They meet um, the Inhumans. They have a little bit of a scuffle. And then Black Bolt appears, crashing through a brick wall. And that's the cliffhanger for next issue and apologizing for the noises in the background my kitty has had a very rambunctious evening and she's just going to make lots of noise so i know as much about the inhumans now as i did before but i'm excited that we're getting closer to maybe learning new things about the inhumans Mm -hmm. like i've already knew these characters but i still don't know what makes them inhuman or what an inhuman is exactly uh, yeah, I honestly can't remember exactly how it all unfolds. Like, yeah. I remember the basic shape of the story coming up, but like, as far as what detail we get and like, you know, what makes them inhuman and how all that works, I forget exactly how all that information comes out. But presumably next issue, I would have hope anyway, or close to it anyway. Right. Um, but um, this was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. This is, this is, just, like, we said it before, this is a high point for the Fantastic Four. No kidding, man. They just keep knocking issue after issue out of the park. The art is awesome. The stories are awesome. It's like, damn. I felt bad for the thing because at the beginning, he's like, I've been nothing but a thorn in your side for months anyway. And I'm like, oh. True, but I. couldn't I, help I, that you were being mind controlled. I kind of like the callback to continuity without really even explaining what he's talking about. Yeah. That was kind of neat. Just, and then we, uh, we say goodbye to the Frightful Four. So that was that was a little interesting, like just this one page of them broken up, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they intended to come back to them and then just didn't. The wizards in a prison hospital, obviously Medusa's with the Inhumans, and so these two yahoos are some for some reason in jail together and can't figure out how to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised Sandman doesn't at least come back for Spidey, but I guess not. Well, no, no. The characters come back and the Frightful Four does come back way down the road. Right, right. Um, Sandman is actually though, Sandman is more of a Fantastic Four torch villain for a while before mm. he becomes a Spider-Man villain again. So he puts the green, green back on. He does put the green back. He actually gets a really horrible green costume for a while that we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, Dragon oh. Man. Okay. What? Another goodbye. What? Doris Evans. Was that the last mention of Doris Evans? Not forever, but for basically, yeah. Until they flash back to her. Here and there. Um, he looks her up later. Oh. Just like on a whim, like a looking up your old girlfriend kind of thing. And uh, she's moved on with her life. I'll just well, leave it at that. he hasn't talked to her in days. And when he did call her, she says she has a date. So it doesn't sound like it's very serious anymore. Yeah. The last time they saw each other was at the wedding and she was off panel. Um, yeah. But and the weird thing is, is that she was almost never mentioned in the Fantastic Four comic anyway. She's a Strange right. Tales character. Right. Until Strange Tales got canceled. I don't even think they had. They did. But I don't know. Right. But even in Strange Tales, was she really much of a character? She had potential, but sure didn't do much with her. I honestly expected a lot more than what we got based on just, I don't know, some of the impressions that I have of characters. But mm-hmm. yeah. So this whole like first meeting of Crystal, who I assume arguably is Johnny Storm's love of his life. Like Every character has one of those like love of your life characters. Mm-hmm. Isn't it Crystal for him, or did he find somebody else later? I don't know about. There is somebody else later, but it's it's Crystal for a good long while. This encounter reminds me of, speaking of Sharon Carter, 
kind of a way that Cap and discovers Sharon too, like this mysterious blonde girl that he just instantly falls interested in. Yeah. So it's like, is this just Stanley's like dream weaver moments or something? Go, yes. It's his go-to move. Yeah. And the weird, it's just like, it's all born from, I don't know, lust at first sight attraction from Johnny storm. Mm -hmm. But this storyline, this is a super extended subplot and it like starts with him just like, (gasps) woman, I mean, to be fair, he also says gas woman, and then this weird, mysterious tornado happens. So I can see why that might be interesting. That's true. That's true. Um, it is kind of weird. Like, you're selling, I felt that way when I read it, like when you were summarizing the plot. He goes out, he finds the woman, he comes back home, and then I guess he just goes out again and finds the Because that is sort of what happens. He comes back home for some reason. They talk about him moving furniture, and he's preoccupied, and so he goes back out again. Yeah, it's a little repetitive. It does imply passage of time. Yeah. Um, okay, he hides behind a wall and jumps out at her in an alleyway. Yeah. And it's just like, that is never a good move to try to talk to somebody, especially a woman alone. Yeah, but last time he tried to talk to her, a tornado happened. So maybe he's trying to like get past that, but it didn't work. Mm-mm. Now she's got fire. What's her power? Elements, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's an elemental. Lock she jaw. says. Oh, go ahead. No, Lockjaw, yeah. Lockjaw's first appearance. I don't know what else to say about him. He's cool, I guess. He's he's a giant dog. Giant dog. I love his. He was one of the best parts of the Inhumans TV show. Um, they did a really good job with Lockjaw. So I have to watch that still. Some people would say you don't. Oh, I would say it's it's decent. Okay. The Inhumans could have been a lot more, but they didn't do horrible with it. They just doesn't feel as big as it should. Well, if it has Lockjaw in it. Yeah. Right. Um. In panel two on page 11, she says that Lockjaw follows her everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then on panel five on the same page, he just vanishes away. <laughs> so, She's like, which one is it, Crystal? Yeah, well, apparently that's her dog, though. Yeah. He, or is he dog. a dog? I guess we don't know the answer to that in this issue, but I've always wondered. Yeah, he is, is he a giant, a, he's he's a giant a dog. dog. Okay. He yeah. doesn't have any other thoughts or anything? As far as I know, okay. he's a giant dog. He's mostly a plot device, but okay. he's a giant dog plot device. So what we know about Crystal, she's obviously very sheltered if she thinks anybody with powers must be like her. Right. Uh, Which is kind of the thing within humans is that they have a very isolated life. Now, um, now my impression of inhuman isolated life meant they lived in some sort of mountain somewhere or alternate mm-hmm. dimension or space, but they seem to just live in a basement in New York. I don't remember how and why this basement happens, but yeah, they're, the royal family is outside of their home right now. Okay. So this is like a uh, Camp David situation or something. Yeah. And, you know, we'll find out later that the Inhumans are this whole people. This is just one small group of them. There's enough of them that it would make sense that Crystal doesn't know everybody. So thinking that Johnny was just one of them isn't unfathomable for her. See, that is what it suggests that like, oh, you have powers, therefore you are one of us. But then when she goes into this place, it seems like there's only five people living here. So I guess that does make sense that that's not where they're from. Right. There's hundreds of them or something. Um, Karnak is awesome, but I've always known that. I just, it's like, take my hand. I'm going to frog you up. It is an odd way to greet somebody. Here, let me just show you how amazing I am by flipping you, by offering my handshake. And Triton is standing there in the gray cloak. We don't get a good look at him, this issue. He says he doesn't interfere. Mm-hmm. But for the for someone who doesn't interfere, he is the inhuman with the most guest appearances away from the team, at least in the Bronze Age that I've looked at. Oh, he's doing the whole uh, watcher, no interference. Yeah, book. just I mean, he said. I don't know why he says here he doesn't interfere because he's 
He's running into Submariner all the time. In fact, he's a frequent Submariner. Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe. After all, he never took an oath as as a race. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, What I like... Oh, I already said that. Never mind. Um, Okay. So we don't know this yet, but Medusa is the queen of these people. Right. So... um, Well... I know that eventually she's the queen. I wasn't sure if she was now or if she's running because she has to be married or she hasn't said why she was running yet. And I'm definitely with you on watching for that, like wondering how and why and where that's going to happen. Yeah. So like, I know someday that she and Black Bolt are a thing, but I don't know if they are right now, right? Or has she said that that's her husband? She has not said that yet. Okay. But Triton's like, you who tried to desert us have no right to speak. Triton right. shall handle this tour. And right. I'm just like, Maybe it's an arranged marriage that she's running from? Maybe. I don't know. You probably know the answer, but I'm just speculating. I I know where we're going to be by the end of this arc. I really don't remember the details of how it, like, unfolds. Okay, cool. Johnny mentions the monsters at the end. Crystal's kinfolk make the monsters seem like a nice, average, typically American family. So Uh that reminded me, this is September. Right. Which is the new TV season. Mm. So for those playing along at home, here are some cool shows that debuted right around this time. We've got, we already mentioned Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. Green Acres. Oh, wow. Gidget. Wow. I Dream of Genie. All this Get, month this year? Yeah. Wow. Get Smart started this year. Hogan's Heroes, Days of Our Lives. Jeez. And over in England, you have Thunderbirds. My gosh, this was a very uh, prolific month of year combo. Mm hmm. Jeez. I decided that I would not pick any of those up, at least not right now. So. <laughs> Green Acres. Um, I'm going to do a Green yeah. Acres walkthrough, run through. I mean, I really enjoyed Green Acres when I was a kid, and I really enjoyed I Dream of Genie, mm-hmm. and Get Smart was so much fun. But yeah, I, 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 I am continuing with The Fugitive, which is season three, and Doctor Who, which is also season three. And The Addams Family and The Monsters are both in their second season now. I'm not watching The Monsters because I'm an Addams Family guy, but. Really? Um, oh, I think I'm the opposite. I don't know. I do like the Adam Stanley movies. Yes. But this begins the three years of Doctor Who that is mostly missing or incomplete. Oh, boy. I thought you were farther than that. Um, I'm a bit ahead of where we are in our reading with my watching of Doctor Who. Um, but that's where the show is at this point. It's starting his third season with Galaxy 4. And, you know, you're missing so many. Like, the Daleks Master Plan is starting next month. It's It's tough. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of missing Doctor Who for the next three seasons. So ironic that a show about a time traveler, and we need time travel to save his show. Although I found out recently they have been animating a lot of stories. Yes. There's a lot of stuff out there that you can watch reconstructed versions of with animation and other stuff like that. I've only come across one in my travels, but I'm also only on Trout Troutons. I don't know how many mm-hmm. they've done of his. But that was actually so much better than the stills. The Power of the Daleks? I don't remember which one it was, but I just think animating it is better than just showing me a screenshot. Mm-hmm. You know, that just make I don't know. I find that nap-inducing sometimes. But, I can I can understand that. Um, how about this air jet cycle? That was a really cool splash page. Yes. I think it's and is that a Superman neat. gag at the bottom? Yes, it is. Look, That's hilarious. It's a stripped-down whirlybird. It's a turbo-powered racing car. It's a flying bicycle. Whatever it is, I don't believe it. That is pretty funny. Um, yeah. And they talk about Black Bolt like 88 times in this issue and he shows up on the last panel. So cool. Black Bolt. Apparently he's no good. We have talked before about how they haven't really gotten the whole like big panel reveal concept. <laughs> uh-huh. down. 
I know. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, it's dramatic. It's actually one of the better reveal compositions, but... It could have been the whole page. Yeah, it's a third of the page in height. Yep. Less than. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, well. But still a great issue. Very cool. Fantastic Four continues to rock. Mm-hmm. Also, and that brings oh, us to... Also, what used to continue to rock, it is now maybe slipping a little bit. We'll see. Amazing Spider-Man number 31, If This Be My Destiny... Dedicated to you, the great new Marvel breed of reader. Whoa. Um, masterful script by Stan Lee. Magnificent artwork by Steve Ditko. Mellifluous lettering. What? Mellifluous lettering by Sam Rosen. Is that a real word? It is. I always have to look it up, though. I don't know what it means. Uh, a new era in the life of Spider-Man is about to begin, and you shall live it with him. And if you guys didn't know that already, you should have, because we've talked about this being the second Ditko run thing, right? Story arc? Big story arc? Yep. Okay. So and mellifluous means sweet or musical, pleasant oh. to hear, like a melody. Well, that's nice. Okay. So those purple guys that we associated with the cat burglar last time weren't really part of the cat burglar thing because I guess we decided that that was just an art versus writing problem because they're back. Um, they are ripping off some technology and trying to hoist it into a helicopter. Uh, Spider-Man happens to be coming along. And attacks them, but they have gas. So they shoot gas in his face lots of times. He can hold his breath, though. But still, lots of times is lots of times. And at some point, he does have to breathe. So he kind of starts losing. Plus, he can't see. So he grabs a chunk of debris from the helicopter's interior with his webbing and throws it at the propeller. And the plane, or the plane, the helicopter crashes almost on top of him, but he does a cool spider trick and gets out. But when he comes back to the surface, they're all gone because little did he know that they all watched Thunderball like 50 times and pulled a total Thunderball and like had scuba gear and took their stuff underground to their scuba uh, base, I guess. That took like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he's like, oh, well, they got away. So he goes home. And Aunt May's there, and she's like, oh, I still can't tell him I don't feel good. I'm feeling old. I'm feeling it. It's tough to be old. you got to be tough to be old because he has to go register for college, so she doesn't want to bog him down with that. Then there's this cool, like, montage of him basically registering for college, which, you know, not not a lot of necessarily interesting summarization points happen except to say that Flash is there also, so that's kind of important. He comes home after registering for college, and Aunt May – Gets faint in front of him finally for the first time. So, oh boy, panic. Takes her to the doctor or calls the doctor. Doctor says, oh, we got to take this lady to the hospital. They go to the hospital and that doctor's like, okay, we're going to run some tests, but we have no idea what's wrong with her. But between you and me, I don't know if you've noticed, she's kind of old. So this might be it. So he doesn't like that. So now that's preoccupying his mind. He doesn't get a lot of sleep. He goes to school And at his new college, Empire State University, we are introduced to Flash talking to two new characters, one named Harry Osborn and one named Gwen Stacy. And they're talking about uh, Peter Parker. And Gwen's like, oh, I hear he got a scholarship and stuff. He's kind of interesting. And Flash is like, well, I know him. Hey, Parker, come on over here and introduce yourself. But Peter is so preoccupied with thoughts of Aunt May that he doesn't even hear and he kind of just ghosts them. And now all three of them are like, Well, that guy's a jerk. And then he does that a few more times during the day to other people who also said, hey, Pete, how's it going? And so now they all think that guy's a jerk. So first day impressions, not so great. He's not studying well. 
at the lab later, Harry decides since he is since Peter is a jerk that he's going to pull a prank. So he convinces Gwen to go over there and try and distract him while he's playing with Bunsen beakers. Um, she tries, but it doesn't work because all he can do is he has like no uh, hearing ability right now, I guess, because he just doesn't even look at her or anything. But and and while that's happening, Harry slips his concoction of Mickey, which makes everything explode. The, the teacher's like, hey, I know you're a you know, science scholarship guy, but you can't just do whatever you want. And Peter's like, oh, I didn't know what I did. He never does figure out that they tricked him. He just runs away. Uh, but all this kind of annoys Gwen because she's like, you know, I'm the hottest girl in the world. And he didn't even look at me. That's never happened. I don't know if I like him or not. He, he goes back to visit Aunt May. This is when they have the conversation that he's still, the doctor's still not sure what's wrong. We're still waiting for blood work. But boy, you know, try to keep her spirits up because it looks like she's on her last leg. He goes home. He worries about money problems. He worries about Aunt May. He decides to not go to sleep and go out as Spider-Man. Spends all night out as Spider-Man to no avail. Um, next day, he's super sleepy and still ignoring everybody. Meanwhile, cut to J. Jonah Jameson. If Spider-Man can't find crime, then he's not reporting anything. So he's getting annoyed, too, and he wants to know where Peter is. And he has his uh, that Foswell guy go out and uh, uh, see if we can figure something about these purple guys or whatever. Um, Betty and Ned have a conversation about how Betty still hasn't said yes, and he's cool with that because Ned is super passive and congenial and, and very clean. And uh, – Betty's like, yeah, I just really need to consult with Peter first because that's awkward. Um, so then Foswell goes out as Patch, he calls himself now, I think, officially, mm-hmm. which is weird because Wolverine then later rips that off. But um, this is dumpy Wolverine, Patch. And he overhears somebody talking about something at a warehouse, but he's like, oh, I don't know what I can do about that. Um, Gwen decides, you know what? Every dude I've ever met has tried to make out with me. Actually, she says something much worse, but we can get into that. She's like, so I'm going to just directly confront him. She's like, hey, check me out. I'm hot. And Peter's like, sorry, I'm busy. And he blows her off, and she's just really, really upset. She's got angry eyebrows. Uh, Spider-Man goes swinging around looking for trouble again, and Foswell, like, or actually Patch, Foswell as Patch, attracts him with a flashlight thing and basically tells him what he overheard and says, listen, the cops won't believe me, and there's nothing I can do about it, but maybe you can go break it up because that's what a vigilante is. So Spidey goes over there. He does find all the purple people. They're thunderballing again with scuba gear, but they're climbing up on top of a ship and they're going to steal more stuff. Spidey shows up. They try and gas him, but it don't work this time. Um, They do catch him in a net, like at the dock, but he does easily escape. But then while he's trying to escape, they escape Thunderball style back under the water. So he can't get them because I guess he just can't swim that hard. Um, Turns out he had a breather under his mask, which he shows off to us later, which is why he was able to resist the gas. We cut to um, Blofeld's evil Dr. Lair and um, talking about how he wanted that equipment because it was going to unlock the secrets of atomic radiation. So that's not good. And then it cuts to the doctors looking at Aunt May's blood results and they're like, this poor woman can't last much longer. The end. You know, you're not wrong in your associations with Thunderball. Yeah, it really felt Thunderball-y to me. But Especially since that movie just came out. Yeah. I think it did. I know I've seen it recently. Well, anytime the bad guys 
are doing scuba stuff, it just makes me flash back to that moment in Thunderball. And I'm sorry if you love Thunderball, but that scene just kind of kills me every single time in a way. Like I just can't, Which, I can't take it. Where they like the guy crashes the plane and pretends to be a pi- the other pilot, and then like they mm. they steal all the bombs, and there's like 30 minutes of this awesome underground underwater scene. I get that they that was really hard for them to do, and they wanted to show it off, but it's just like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, kill yeah. me. Yeah. Thunderball okay, came out. Fu- Thunderball came out December 9th, nineteen sixty five. So I am kind of wrong because yeah, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. So Thunderball ripped this off. If anything, whoa. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but well, there has been evil Bond stuff probably, yeah. but I can't think of it right now. Maybe not. I don't know. So this is known as the Master Planner arc. This okay. is the other big trilogy that everyone talks about, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um. So thoughts so far besides Thunderball. Um, I, again, I'm liking, I keep liking lately the, uh, drama of Peter's life and not so much the villain aspects of things. Yeah. This is definitely. These guys are lame so far. The purple guys. Yeah. Like who cares about them? I guess they're, they're stooges at this point, right? Yeah. And they're not, there's certainly no threat to him really. I mean, I don't feel it. Gone are the days of Dr. Octopus or something. Yeah. On page three, um. I was thinking because they they they're running towards him and they're shouting him and they're like shoot him with the gas shoot him with the gas and I was like if you shout that at him he's gonna hold his breath <laughs> and he does and then the next panel he does he holds his breath I was like oh okay I call he saw, he even literally says lucky for me they shouted it out in time for me to take a breath and not for nothing but Spider Man totally killed these guys oh uh, like, yeah the he helicopter didn't crash really but he could have done he, yeah because he can't even see who's in there. And there were dudes in there when they punch him out. Right. And he just purposely makes this thing crash into, into the ocean. Into the ocean. So they should have died, probably. They, they saved themselves despite his efforts. Right. And he, he goes back for them. But that's after waiting for people to surface, mm-hmm. which means he waits long enough for people to drown. Mm-hmm. So, but also they could have just broke their neck. I mean, that's just dangerous all over. Um, we get another mystery bad guy. We've had a few of these mm-hmm. for um, for me and for the listeners. Yeah. Do you know who the master planner is? I do not. Okay. Sweet. But am I supposed to? Have they been no. established yet? See? No, it's it's a reveal. Okay. How many? Does it seem to you or seems to me that there's a lot of reveal villains lately? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like. The Gosh. whole, like, who is this? Ditko loved this. Okay, but not just Ditko. It's also in Thor. We just finally revealed it was the dumb reporter. Uh, right. Controller in Daredevil. Nick Fury. The thinker, yeah. Oh. No, no. No, the controller, isn't it? The name? organizer. Organ- it's not organizer, is it really? That's horrible. Yeah. Oh my. And we, uh, we haven't gotten his reveal yet. That's next episode. Oh, my God. It is the organizer. That's so bad. Um, <laughs> And then uh, uh, Nick Fury and the Hydra... You know, Supreme Hydra guy could be any one oh, of those right. generic white dudes. It's the same guy in all the stories. It is. And, and the thing guy is, like, Green, is Go- Green, Go- <laughs> Green Goblin hasn't obviously been revealed, but at least that, like, I don't know why that's more. I don't know if it's cooler because of hindsight or if it's cooler because of the way they're doing it, like, with revealing, like, little bits about him and seeing him interact with people we know. Mm-hmm. That actually was is working. All this other stuff just is, like... I don't care who the organizer is, you know? It doesn't matter. I think matter. what is different about the Green Goblin is that they're leaving it out there, but it's not an ongoing story. 
That's true. The Green Goblin keeps showing up. We don't know who he is. The Hydra is a multi-part story that's had this guy in every issue. We just don't know who he is. True. And I just feel like it's a different way of telling the story. The Organizer is just a two-parter, um, and this is also just a single story. Those, but I it th- is weird. What they remind me of is like old Golden Age stories where it's like, okay, kids, who do you think it is? Is it the janitor? Is it the principal? And you're just like, does it matter? Because mm-hmm. I don't know any of them anyway. But It also feels like the sort of thing that might be popular in a uh, theater serial mm-hmm. kind of story. Yeah. Like having a mystery person that gets revealed in part four or whatever. Mm-hmm. But unless it's Betty, like, does it really matter who the master planner is? If it was Betty, I'll that'd I'll be awesome. I'll ask you again in three episodes. Okay, we'll see. Um, Peter Parker goes and enrolls at Empire State University. I love that panel or whatever that is. Over a little montage. That montage of, I mean, really nothing happens. He stands in lines and he gets books and stuff like that. But it's like, wow, cool. I don't know. Well, it it felt very real to me because like Uh you and I went to college just like five seconds before the digital age started to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, They were playing with uh, registration over the phone. There was like a weird phone system to Mm -hmm. register. Mm -hmm. But like when I enrolled at UNT, I did have to go to several different desks and fill out forms and carry little cards from one person to the next person. Mm-hmm. And, and they, I feel like I was probably one of the last classes that had to do that. And they give you a book, a big phone book, and it's like, okay, here's the major I want. Here's the 10 things I have to somehow accomplish and figure out the mm-hmm. hours and you circle. Yeah. Now it's much easier probably. Um, oh, also, just to let everyone out there know, Empire State University is not real. Yeah, I find a lot of people continue to be shocked by that. Um, I, I know one was definitely surprised by it about 10 years ago. <laughs> it so sounds real. <laughs> it does, right? I yeah. mean, Empire State University should be real. How can that it's not be real? not. Someone needs to start that. Ah. Home of Spider-Man. And page eight, look who's here, Flash Thompson. And we get some new characters. So I certainly recognize them by name. But here's what's interesting. Well, one, I guess I didn't realize that Harry started out as a jerk because I've never read early Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does. He's pretty Flash Thompson-y. But, but in like a nerdy way, not a jock way. But uh, I can't decide. Like, it's funny. I think they're drawing Gwen like she's this evil Scarlet person. Mm-hmm. But then most of her dialogue is nice. Most of it. Not all of it. Dicko discovered arched eyebrows and yeah. decided to have a time with it. Yeah, but I also wonder if it's just one of those like Ditko intended her to be worse than Stan Lee did situations or something. Because mm-hmm. she's got a lot of evil smiling going on, and yet, yeah. and yet, most of her like this whole bit with the uh, with the uh, the prank. Every all her dialogue is I don't want to do this. He seems okay. This is probably not a great idea. But all her face is like Mwahaha, let's do it. You know, you're right. I'm also I'm, I'm looking at page 10, panel 2. Mm-hmm. Like her uh, her brow is sort of knit together there like she's mm-hmm. making a mean face. And Yeah, you're right. So not really physically and even later, I guess, or we could talk now. But like I don't really like this whole business where like all the guys I've ever been with have romped me or whatever. What did she say? Have uh, given her a tumble. Given her a tumble. Doesn't that mean um, something like dating? Doesn't that mean uh, – a tumble. Um, tumble is not a phone call. Tumble is like. I looked it up because I was not sure where the idiom came from. Okay. To me, to give someone a tumble idiomatically means to pay them attention. 
Oh, that's not what but I thought it meant. it does sound very sexual. Yeah, that's what I thought And so was. I was wondering where it came from. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, uh, they never gave me a tumble means they never noticed me. Oh, okay. I thought it meant sex, but... It sounds like it should. Yeah. So I was like, wow, every guy she's ever met, <laughs> that's not good, Quinn, but okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, I these are this is written by men, mm-hmm. so I don't know how the the popular, attractive young woman who is used to getting guys to like her and finds a guy who doesn't like her. I don't know how that normal reaction would be, but it seems like it wouldn't be this. It could be this. I do think that this doesn't strike me as Gwen, really. She always seemed more like the girl next door type. Mm-hmm. So I think they just haven't narrowed down, honed in on her character quite right yet. Well, it's also a creative team issue. Uh-huh. Um, there's going to be a significant shift in characterizations after Ditko leaves. Okay. Romita will make it more romantic. Yes. Yes. And Gwen, I mean, Gwen Stacy looks very different here to her classic look. Totally. For very. one, she's not wearing that headband. That's what I mean. Like she looks, she seems less innocent than what I think of when someone says Gwen Stacy. Right. She seems more like a, uh, Liz Allen. A bit, a bit. Yeah. Um, Harry and Osborne is, he feels like if Jimmy Olsen had an ego, like he's just not cool, there, but he really thinks he is. It's weird that Flash, I guess Flash is probably talking to him because he's standing next to Gwen and he knows Gwen, but, mm. uh, but Harry does not seem like a guy Flash would be like into because he dresses like a nerd and he has this weird pig nose, at least the way Ditko draws him and mm-hmm. the, and the bristle hair, like. This seems more like someone that Harry would pick on, or Flash would pick on, but in that bow tie, oh my gosh! Yeah, but he knows it's really big. But he knows Gwen, and and he and Gwen start flirting, which was odd. Also, the uh, the professor calls out Peter about his scholarship, and I'm like, normally a scholarship isn't a public thing, is it? Like everyone knows that Peter Parker's here on a scholarship, so Gwen did. He's all. Gwen does, the professor does. Whenever P- Peter comes back the second day, they're all like, "Oh, he's so high in the clouds because of his scholarship." It's just like. Is that a thing? Well, he comes from a small town in Rhode Island. So they got a newspaper printed. Oh, no, wait. He's from New York. So, yeah, I don't know why anybody knows this. <laughs> okay, Mr. Artman. Yeah? Page 12. Mm-hmm. Does that look like a Gil Kane shot to you? The uh, la- second to last panel? or That's, Yeah, panel six, the end of the second row. Oh, yeah. So there's only one other way for me to earn some ready cash. It's just yeah. like that angle. Well, and maybe who knows how, and you know, they're all like jumping on each other art at this point. Who knows? Yeah. Gil Kane's tearing up the Flash, I think, right now. Or Green, no, is it Green Lantern? I think it's Green Lantern. Green Lantern, yeah. Infantino was Flash, probably. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, um, yeah. Okay. Is it Foswell? Is, is, is the master planner Foswell? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, <laughs> Ned Leeds. No, I know it's not Ned. Do you kind Jonah- of. Jonah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Jonah asks Betty about her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And that means Peter to her. To him. And I'm like... Oh, and to her, what? yeah. 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 She's been proposed to by another guy. Why, when somebody says your boyfriend, does her mind still say Peter Parker? Well, she might understand what he means by that. But That's- she also does say... So here's what I was going to say. Do we want Ned to have more of a personality? Because it's like, I think we're supposed to maybe not like him because he's the rival, but he doesn't do anything good or bad really he just sort of gets trounced on by her Mm -hmm. like so are you gonna marry me i don't know i have to talk to peter first who the heck wants to hear that 
And his response is, okay, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, uh, Ned, do you have a backbone or any authority about yourself or anything? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't remember a personality from Ned Leeds until a particular iconic moment in the late seventies. Okay. Um, which I guess there's no reason to really hide it because it's way down the road. But um, Betty Brandt comes home on their honeymoon, mm-hmm. leaves her husband in Paris and comes home and sleeps with Peter Parker. Yeah. And Ned Leeds punches Peter in the face for that. Ah, that's the Ned Leeds yeah. I know. Yeah, that, that thing that I feel like that's the first like flake of pers- personality we get from him. I could be wrong though. Yeah. Well, he's the angry hobgoblins, but not really. But not really. Yeah, in the 80s, as they're doing the Hobgoblin thing, Ned Leeds does become a bit more of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, a jealous, yeah. evil, cranky person. So this Ned Leeds is unrecognizable to me because there's no way 80s Ned Leeds would put up with this answer. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he figures out himself. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I am just going to go out and say that if the woman you're proposing to has to check with her boyfriend before <laughs> answering you. <laughs> maybe try something else. Yeah. yeah, maybe you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, romance-wise. Uh, let it run a little bit. Um, and I did write, okay, my note about the whole tumble thing was, I think it's like the word daddy. Ah. Uh, it's just shifted in me. Ah. Uh, like, you can't really say daddy anymore the way that, like, you and I grew up hearing it. Mm-hmm. When we say daddy, we mean an affectionate word for dad, but mm-hmm. not anymore. Nope. It's an affectionate word for somebody. Mm-hmm. But I do love when scientific know-how plays into Spidey's victories. It happens a lot less often over the years than you might think, but it happens at the end of this issue, and that was cool. Yes, that was very cool. Um, 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 boy, they don't even like give you an image of the Master Planner, though. It's just like he's represented by his house. Yes. Yep. It's, um, the, the reveal is the beginning of the next issue, and as much as they sort of like dangle it out there for a while, it's a little bit of a, well, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. Is that four, though? One, two, three, four. It is. What's four? Four comics. Oh, the comics. We did yeah, it. four comics. Yay. Yay. And, 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 mm-hmm. that was September. Was it really? It was. I was just thinking that those four comics were actually a pretty good run right there for one episode. So yeah. now we have to pick from them, probably, because I bet one of them will be number one. One of these four? Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to choose. Yep. I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe, like, you know... Tales to Astonish will be number one, but no. No. X-Men 14 will be number one. Mm. I like X-Men 14. Yeah, but is it Fantastic 445? I don't think. No, no, it's not. (laughs) So September 65. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was just getting up. uh, Actually, I have it right here. Okay. Do you want me to run down or do you want to run down? You can go ahead if you want. Okay. Well, we have in um, order, we have Journey into Mystery 122. Which was the Immortal Man, the Immortal Man, the Absorbing Man versus Odin and um, the reveal of Harrison Hobbs, as well as a mutiny on the bounty at the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Tales to Astonish 74, When Fails the Quest, Dorma's on Death's Door, and then The Wisdom of the Watcher, where the Hulk fights Red Dude for the Watcher's ultimate nullifier, which kills the leader. The X-Men 14 Among Us Stalk the Sentinels, which is the first issue of the Sentinel story. Sergeant Fury 24, When the Howlers Hit the Home Front. That's where everybody goes home and they fight the boont. And uh, they have all the uh, celebrities at the party. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Strange Tales 139 features The Brave Die Hard, 
with uh, Sergeant Fury fight, not Sergeant Fury, excuse me, Director Fury, um, getting it. Uh, he's been captured by Hydra and has to fight his way out of that. Teams up with um, Supreme Hydra's daughter, mm-hmm. and in the backup we have Beware Dormammu is watching, oh. which is where Doctor Strange um, fights the fully powered um, Baron Mordo, who's finally reached his final form. <laughs> And then the four we talked about today tells us it's been 72 with Iron Man uh, versus the Thinker, Captain America versus the Sleeper, uh, the Fantastic Four versus the Inhumans, the Avengers uh, break up and first they fight the Ringmaster and then they fight Power Man and Enchantress and Amazing Spider-Man 31. Mm-hmm. Very few bad ones, like a lot of Midland ones, but not bad. Yeah. Yeah, this this was a pretty spectacular month. I would say the bad one is pretty easy for me. It's going to be Hulk, just because that's just stupid all around, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that's my bad one. Uh, and the good one's going to be Fantastic Four. I don't know. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> but I liked all lot of them. I liked the X-Men was cool. Thor was cool. Spider-Man was cool. Cap'n was cool. Iron Man was okay, because I don't like the thinker. Uh, but he wasn't as bad as Hulk. Namor's kind of ho-hum, but not as bad as Hulk. Yeah, the Iron Man story and the Namor story were both just kind of there. Uh-huh. They weren't bad. They just weren't yeah, great. Yeah, The only The only story that like really shouldn't have happened was the Hulk story. Yeah, a two-parter or a five-parter, yeah. depending on how you count it. Although we do have the end of the leader and the end of this little run, so we're starting something new next time, so that's exciting. Yeah, I thought it might uh, be, but... Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Once again, the Fantastic Four beats out Amazing Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Um, the Avengers was decent. Sergeant Fury was decent. But yeah, yeah, the Fantastic Four with the Inhumans, that's that's my top pick. Okay, so that was easy enough. That was easy. And it ended on an episode, so that's rare now. Should I tell them where to, where to um, be reading for, for next week? <laughs> yes, tell them where to be reading for next week. So we have uh, next episode going to be covering Journey into Mystery 123, where Thor goes to Asgard and has to deal with the Absorbing Man and Loki, and the uh, um, ship continues to sail through uncharted waters in the backup. Uh, We have the X-Men 15 fighting the Sentinels and getting the origin of the Beast for strange reasons. Uh, We have Daredevil 11. Who is the organizer? It's a time to unmask uh, with Daredevil fighting the Animen. And then Tales to Astonish 75 with the Submariner with the end of the quest and the Hulk, not all my power can save me. So those are your homework for next episode. And if you'd like to follow along, you can find us at makearsmarvel.com. Of course, all the episodes are available for free and all the way back to episode number one. Uh, you can find our links to Facebook and Twitter social media where we like to tweet and retweet and like when you retweet also and like us. Um, you can use the contact form to write us or write directly to podcast at makearsmarvel.com. And most importantly, you could just type makearsmarvel.com into any of your favorite podcast apps and hopefully we'll be there. And while you're there, give us a star rating or a review because that's always helpful. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had one, so we should do that. Yeah, everybody do that. You can follow Mike on Twitter at KaiserTheGreat. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnReadsComics. 
Um, the show, as he said, is at Make Ours Marvel. My other podcasts are All the Pouches and Image Comics Podcast, which I really need to get some recording done on. Um, that is at All the Pouches on Twitter. My Transformers podcast, I do with my son some of the time, is Return to Cybertron, and it is at TFUK Podcast. Then um, I have a tweet blog at Let's Talk Wanda. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that's our episode. That's our episode. Dun, dun, dun. So until the Avengers are out of the picture, so some supervillains from a new team of Avengers make ours marvel. marvel.